Hey, Ross, it's Rich Eisen. Yeah, it's Carl Mecklenburg. What's up? This is Ty Lawson. This is Jordan Hamilton from the Denver Nuggets, and you're listening to Colorado Sports Guys Podcast. From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Nate Timmons and Ross Martin. Welcome to the podcast, Colorado Sports Guys podcast. I'm Ross Martin, Nate Timmons. Oh, what's up, Ross? It's uh, dark outside. I'm scared. Oh, my God. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, we usually get the podcast going when it's dark, but now we're getting it going a little earlier than normal. Not just in the day, but also we're doing it on a Monday. Monday. So uh, this is a little gift to all you uh, listeners. Day early. Day early, dollar how, short. How excited are people to be listening to this podcast a day early? I'd be very excited. Well, they should be. It's Colorado Sports Guys podcast. Is it because we have a lot to talk about, Ross? <laughs> we have a ton to talk about tonight. Broncos beating the Bengals. We're going to talk about that. They're not five and three, right? We're going to talk about yep. the Denver Nuggets. Oh, and three. <laughs> We're going to talk about how... We went over to Stiff's Night Out and uh, hung out. That was fun. Good time. We're going to discuss the uh, home opener tomorrow for the Nuggets. Yeah. And, of course, we're going to talk about next week's Bronco game. Another road game. Yet another road game where there's going to be quite a few of those road games coming up. We're going to talk about all of that stuff. But before we get into that, we want to remind everybody to check us out at ColoradoSportsGuys.com for links to our Facebook, Twitter, and our Amazon.com affiliate link. If you go to ColoradoSportsGuys.com and click through the Amazon banner at the top of the page, each time you do your normal shopping, you will be supporting this podcast. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us, show at ColoradoSportsGuys.com, or use our phone number, 720-722-1274. You can leave us a voicemail, or you can send us a text message. And uh, you know what? If that voicemail is good, we'll play it on the show. And if the text message is good, we'll read it on the show. Yeah. If we feel like it. Yeah. Now, it's always a good day in uh, CSG Palatial Studios coming off of a Denver Bronco victory, especially a victory against an AFC opponent, especially during a time where everybody is wondering if what we're watching is real, and I have a lot of thoughts about this. I I feel like this victory proved some things, right? Just like the Chargers game proved things, just like the Saints game has proved some things. I think this game proved something even more and grander and something that that, uh, bodes even better for the future of the Denver Broncos. And we're definitely going to talk about that. But before yeah. we do, Nate Timmons. I almost started rolling on the Broncos talk right there. You did? Well, you know, <laughs> hey. It's getting a little excited, Ross. You brought up some good points. Some well, good talking points, I well, should Well, let's, let's just uh, take a moment to connect here, reflect, Nate Timmons. Uh, for most times I don't see you between, you know, when we do the podcast on on Tuesday and, and on Thursday. Yeah. And I rarely see you outside of this palatial studio. It's true. But. We shared a meal. We shared a meal. <laughs> we broke bread. <laughs> we, we did. 
That was fun times. I, I got to say, Denver Stiff's Night Out at Jake's uh, with uh, you, uh, Jeff Morton, Andy Feinstein, all you Denver Stiff's guys. That was fun to see you guys out and about. I do have an issue to take with Andy Feinstein. Oh. Now, I show up. Yeah. And I, I, I meet, I greet, or I'm greeted by you and Jeff and Andy at the front door. At the big nuggets table with all that swag. Yes, tons of swag out there. The, the hoopsters, the hoopers. Denver hoopers were in the, attendance. Uh, the uh, charity that you guys were supporting for this. They were there, but the place was packed. It was. I mean, literally, I pulled into the parking lot, and they turned me around and said, you have to go across the street, and you have to park in another lot because this lot is full. And it's not a small lot. I mean, this place was bumping. Yeah. And – I ended up hanging out with uh, you and Jeff and Andy for a little bit, and and there were some empty tables there, but they all had little signs on them that said reserved. Yeah. So I'm just – I have nowhere to go. And Andy at one point comes over, and he and he's talking to you and Jeff and, and me just by default because I'm there. And he goes, well, listen, we got a lot of people coming in tonight, and since we're hosting this, we have to be uncomfortable. Yeah, I was looking. I was trying to get somewhere to seat because, or somewhere to sit because I was literally starving. Yes, starving. Some food. And the Nuggets tip off was happening. Yeah, and Andy's talking to you guys. And again, like I said, default to me because I'm just standing there. Yeah, you know, like nowhere to go, nowhere to sit. And he's explaining <laughs> to you and Jeff. Well, you know what? We're the hosts here, and so we we have to be uncomfortable because all these people are our guests. Right. And and I'm just standing there like, well, what about me? <laughs> Where's I'm my Ross table? Martin. I'm not a Denver Stiffs contributor. You're a Colorado sports I'm guy. I'm a Colorado sports guy. Why don't I? Why don't, why can't I have a comfortable seat to sit? Yeah, that's true. But I did make my way out back on the patio, and they had a giant screen with a projector, and they had the game up there. It's a nice patio and, too, uh, like I said. I, wonderful I, patio. Yeah, yeah, it was cool out there, man. I mean, I mean, it was cold, but it was they had a fire pit and all this stuff going on. But then we did, like you said, we broke bread. Yeah. I had that Chipotle cheeseburger with all these jalapenos on there. Yeah. Holy smokes. It looks pretty good. It was delicious. I went with the chicken Philly cheesesteak, which I can't seem to get away from there. Now, I was curious because you did – I saw you order that. Why chicken? I mean, I guess a Philly cheesesteak doesn't really matter what the meat is because it's all about the cheese whiz and the and you know the peppers or, or whatever. But yeah. chicken, why not just you know the normal rat meat? I don't know. Not that they serve rat meat there. I'm just talking about Philly people. Philly, Philadelphians, Philly fans, they like rat meat. They don't know the difference. But isn't a Philly cheesesteak usually beef, like shaved beef? It is, yeah, or some kind of uh, nice cut of steak of some sort. Well, I wouldn't call it that. Beef? I have no idea. Whatever the hell it is. It's beef, though, but white chicken. I don't know. I just went with the chicken. I felt like it was – a healthier choice for some reason. Packed a little protein punch because I was lifting some serious weights <laughs> earlier in the day. Yeah. You know, I'm getting up to those uh, the triple digit dumbbells now, so I'm you know I'm getting pretty excited about that. Wait, wait, wait. So when you're doing your bench, you're doing the dumbbells, not the barbell. I switch it up, but yeah, I like to do a lot of the dumbbell. The triple digits. I like it, dude. Good yeah. for you, man. Good yeah. for you. So anyway, that was fun, man. I love seeing all those guys. We ran into Colin and John. 
from the South, South Sands fan cast. We ran into Dario and Adam from Denver Sports Nation at Mount High Sports. I think there were a couple other people there. That, yeah, we you know. had Sandy Clough. He was helping out uh, from 104.3 The Fan. He was announcing our trivia questions for us, as he's been gracious enough to do at many a stiff nights out. It was a great event. Yeah. And I will say, if you people out there haven't been there, go next time. But be smart. Reserve a table ahead of time. Yeah, get because. a table. Get there early. If tip-off's at 5.30, we tell you to show up at 5 for a reason because yes. that place starts to fill up by 5.15. There was a lot of good Eesh. camaraderie there, too. Running into people. People had name tags on with their uh, uh, their handle from the Nuggets uh, – or from Dever Stiff's board. Yeah. That was cool, seeing all these people. I had a – I had a great time. It was fun, man. It was, it was so good. Fun. And then uh, I think the best part about it, too, Denver Hoopers is a, a nonprofit uh, youth basketball organization helping out at-risk youth throughout the Denver area. And we were able to raise uh, roughly $1,000 for them, which pays for two months of gym time because they have to, of course, rent the gyms where they're playing hoops. And then they also uh, are going to be able to pay for three scholarships for middle schoolers. So that was pretty to sweet. To play in the league? To play in their league, to get into their program. And they're also telling us, which is pretty sweet, like once these kids kind of, you know, they, they get an opportunity sometimes to go to camps in Las Vegas, California, and they get sent there based off donations that, you know, hopefully organizations like ourselves and others, you know, that raise money for them. So it's it pretty sweet, man. That is sweet. I can't That's wait till awesome. like the, the next, uh, you know, Chauncey Billups comes out of something like that. And we'll say, Hey, we helped that guy. We helped him at Denver stiffs. We helped him. Denver stiffs night out. We helped him get into the league and earn that $50 million <laughs> contract. And then you're like, well, where's my cut? Cause where's I bought yeah. three raffle tickets yeah. and, uh, that was, uh, three per three, three tenths of 1% <laughs> of that pool. So then when you get your first contract, I get three tenths of 1% of that 10 million. Yeah. Also a family friendly place. I mean, there's, uh, there's some kids there as well, you know, so it wasn't just a, it's not just a 21 and over oh, event. Absolutely not. It was cool, man. Like there, it was a very, so many times I go out to a bar or a sports bar and it's such a negative, weird, drunken, it just kind of like a nightmare, just a train wreck. But this was just kind of like everybody was having a good time, enjoying the fine food and spirits. And we got some compliments, too, about it not being in Lodo, about it being up at Jake's on 38th and Walnut and saying that, you know, that keeps some of that drunken atmosphere out. Because when you get into Lodo, you kind of get, you know, the people that like to get overserved as an industry term. Throw that out to you, Ross. I know you appreciate uh, that. I've, I've heard of that. Yeah. I, I've not experienced that. Me neither. Myself. But, no. You know, I keep it moderate. Yeah. But I will say after I left there, I did go and experience some of that downtown. <laughs> yeah. Not me, of course. No. Not, not, not. You just witnessed it with your, your own two eyes. <laughs> not or me. Or four <laughs> eyes, some some people would say. Eh? Wait. Because I wear glasses? <laughs> yeah, I do too. So I was, I'm sorry. I didn't mean anything by it. Well. We broke bread, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was good to see you. Now, I will say this. We were supposed to record on Tuesday night, and Jeff Morton was supposed to be here. Yes. And it turns out the Nuggets have a little home game tomorrow night that you're going to be attending via your press pass. Yeah, I threw a big fat so, monkey wrench in there. So, so it's, it's all worth it because uh, it's, the Nuggets season start, has started off, you know, 0-3, but the home season starts tomorrow. So we're going to talk all about that. And uh, what, but what else, man? What else is going on? Uh, we were just talking about on, on, you know, on, on the balcony here at the CSG studios. We were talking about, you know, the walking dead, whatnot. I mean, that's, that's getting even I more exciting. I haven't seen it. I know we can't, we can't talk about it here and it's, it's too fresh too. Even if we both had seen it, I don't know if we'd uh, be able to discuss too much of it, but that's getting good. We don't want to give away spoilers. Um, 
No, not at all. A cool thing that I did as well last night, I, I uh, bit Everybody the, dies. Everybody dies. Uh, I bit the bullet and bought uh, NBA League Pass for uh, through Comcast. So this is the – you're getting every single game. Uh, supposedly. Across the uh, – every game played, you're going to be able to watch and record. Yeah, I'm, I've, I've already recorded uh, two games last night. I got – tonight I, I set up two this morning to record. I'm excited about it. I'm going to be watching a lot of basketball, and I might even get a little more smarter-ish. Smarter-ish? Yeah, you could say more smarter-ish. Brain power yeah, up. Yeah. And yeah. then after a few weeks of watching this, you might say, I'm going to get smarter instead. Yeah. 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 Now, let me ask case. you this. Now, clearly you can't watch every game, right? You're not going to try to do that. What teams are you going to be kind of focusing on outside of the Nuggets over the next, you know, over the next couple months as you try to – Enjoy your time with your NBA League Pass. Are you going to be like focusing on in like like Western Conference rivals or the Northwest Division, or, or are you going to look at like the like the Miami Heat? Are you going to focus on those games? How do you do that? Uh, I don't really like watching the Heat all that much, but yeah, I, I think so far I've gravitated towards the Oklahoma City Thunder because you know division opponent of the Nuggets as well as a top tier Western Conference team. I uh, watched some of the Lakers last night. They just slaughtered the Pistons. Um, I was kind of wanted to watch that game for two reasons, to you know watch the Lakers a little bit, but the Nuggets will be playing the Pistons tomorrow, so I felt like I was scouting them or at least familiarizing myself exactly. with the Pistons. Exactly. That's that's a good point. And that's going to help because – That's what you should do, right, is yeah. watch the games that the Nugget or the teams that are the Nuggets are going to be playing against. Exactly, because you know I'm, I'm going to be handling the, the preview and recap tomorrow for the Pistons game, and now I feel like – Instead of just being like, oh, Greg Monroe's good because, you know, now I've watched them and I've kind of realized we could talk about it when we get into the Nuggets. But, yeah, you do get that sense of the team a lot more from obviously watching them. So, you know, I hear duh you. on duh. that one, I guess. <laughs> duh. <laughs> yeah. So I feel, yeah, I'll feel more educated. And I also, I set up tonight to record, uh, I don't want to see the score. I just saw it, unfortunately. Dang it. Um, Philadelphia and New York. I, I want to watch the Knicks because... Obviously the mellow thing, but it's it's an interesting team because they've assembled, I guess, uh, you could call it an all-star team from 2007 perhaps. You know, they have these older <laughs> yeah, players. Yeah. But Is Marcus Camby still playing? Yeah, he's on that team. What the hell, man? <laughs> Dude, they have Kurt Thomas on that team. Whoa. Kurt Thomas played, I believe, in the 99 NBA Finals with Marcus Camby in that Knicks team. Whoa. And that's when he was – I think he was past his prime at that point. That is impressive. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't. I mean, just thinking about that, like, kind of blows my mind because I have literally no idea who Kurt Thomas is. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I mean, he, he was around. Well, you don't have to go into details. Kurt Thomas was <laughs> around on those Knicks teams that battled the Bulls for the the big time. You know, John Starks, oh, Patrick the Ewing, Battle of the Birds, Battle of the Birds. Yeah. So I mean, he was around for those teams. It's just I want to see what happens with New York. It's it's kind of a fascinating thing and. And Raymond Felton, I, I hate criticizing, you know, basketball players on. Oh, that's that guy is a fat basketball player because it's like you know I'm not the most in shape guy myself. So what? Uh, Get out of here! But I, you know, it's like fishing for compliments. Yeah, but even when you're, I don't know. So I, but I did see Ray Felton the other night, and I was like, those shorts elasticity is being tested. <laughs> like they are, they are like he doesn't have the uh, you know typically the sh- you can tell a basketball player because their shoulders are kind of. You know, they have the big shoulders, and they go down kind of a V to the waist. Mm-hmm. and Down to that right ass. <laughs> Never mind. Go ahead. Dude, that was good, by the way. I listened to that on the uh, 
the episode the other day where you did that a couple times and I cracked up both times I heard it. So. It's perfect. It's a perfect opportunity impression. Yeah. But Felton's basically a rectangle. That comes from. He's basically a little rectangle. I mean, he does, there's not, he's just, he's a thick man. He's a thick <laughs> individual. <so. laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Tell me more about that. Yeah. Come on. Describe his body more in more detail. Uh, there's no waste. <laughs> um. <laughs> he's thick. He's just, he's, he's thick. thick. He's a thick man. Girthy. He's girthy. <laughs> But uh, he's still he's still quick, you know. That's the fun part too. Is he's we, one of my friends, one of my best friends. Uh, he was on my softball team. That's how we met. Was through a softball team that I helped organize years ago. And my my other friend, my other uh, real good friend, was like, "Hey, I'm gonna have this guy play." Blah blah blah. We had this guy play in left field when he weighed uh, two sixty, but he he's a uh, five ten and he was two sixty. But he moved like he was five ten one seventy five. He you know, was quick. You know, when I was watching, like, there's this weird phenomenon. When I was watching uh, the baseball playoffs and World Series. Baseball. Been how many of those guys on those teams, Detroit and San Francisco, were just, like, fat guys? Miguel Cabrera, Prince Fielder. Pablo uh, Sandoval. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, like, all these just, like, Fat guys out there playing pro sports, and and for yeah. a while I was like, and, and Pablo Sandoval doesn't even play third base. Yeah, I mean that's typically a uh, you know that's the hot corner. I mean you got to be quick on your feet, and he is. And but I did see him miss some you know you know uh, grounders right, and uh, I'm just wondering it's like these guys their talent is so immense that they can overcome forty fifty pounds <laughs> of extra weight. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know this is old news. The World Series has been over for a couple of weeks, but I just you just sparked my memory on that, and it's it's crazy to think about. And then I wonder, well, what if those guys just got back into shape? How much better would they be? Yeah. And could you imagine them being that much better than they are? Yeah. Potlo Sandoval, three home runs in, in one game in the World Series. Could you imagine him hitting six? And and then I wonder, well, you know what? It's probably just him being fat that gives him those home runs. It's the Because now they can't do the steroids. <laughs> so now they got to just do the tacos or whatever. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, that's – that's. Well, I was listening to uh, to Matt Moore's uh, CBS Eye on Basketball podcast, and they were talking about uh, Tim Duncan on one of their recent episodes and how he's 36 years old, but he's realized at this advancing age, typically you'll see an NBA player like if you see Kurt Thomas, Boris Diaw, Ray, Ray Felton. What? what? Who? Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. If you see I know, these guys, I know who they are. these guys are, are testing the uh, elastic bands on their shorts, right? Like these older veteran players are, you know, f- more out of shape. They gain weight. Tim Duncan's, I, I believe he's the skinniest he's ever been in his career right now or something. Like he's, he's dropped all this weight because he realizes it, it takes pressure off his knees. He's not going to get the – you know, injured legs that these big guys suffer, hurt feet, hurt knees, ankles, whatever. But it's just it's remarkable to see him, but then to look at a guy like Prince Fielder and be like, he's just letting himself go. And Prince Fielder is one of the most egregious examples. And most Prince Fielder, egregious yeah. examples of that phenomenon. I mean, remember when Barry Bonds was getting bigger, but, you know, he just had like kind of a little gut. Yeah. These guys are fat. Prince, Prince's best Halloween costume would be the out of shape Superman. You dress in the <laughs> Superman costume, and then people are like, "What? You really let yourself go? That's exactly what I was going for." It's like a hundred million a There's year. No more crime, baby. A hundred just... million a year, <laughs> whatever he gets. Ridiculous. But uh, anyway, uh, so let's do this. So we got, I mean, the, the, the Broncos. All right. So 
I'm super excited. Yeah. Right. And you can play a little. Let's wait for a second because right. I want to talk about, you know, we'll get into the Broncos here in a minute. Okay. But I want to talk about something that I love about morning football games. Big breakfast. 11 a.m. <laughs> you're right. You're right in line with what I'm going for. We were just talking about big fat players. Now yep. Big yeah. fat breakfast. And I was going to talk about this, but then I forgot. But now I just remembered. Morning morning games are great, right? Especially when the Broncos play them. They had, I don't think they had one this year. Even when they played the Patriots, for some reason, that was a 2 o'clock start. Which yeah, is this was the first me. early game. So this was the first 11 a.m. game. And then there's going to be another one on uh, next week, right? Against yeah, Carolina. Carolina. My Another... parents are going to be there. Whoa. Whoa. Carolina. Yeah. No kidding. I got tickets. So uh, <laughs> that's good. That would make it better to be there. <laughs> They're not just going to go to the parking lot and sell hats. No. <laughs> but no. I wouldn't put it past them, though. This is what I love about uh, – first of all, this was uh, daylight savings time, right? I don't know if we went off of daylight savings or we went into daylight savings. Time I changed. Never, I will never know that. <laughs> but I yeah. do know that I woke up at uh, 9 o'clock. And I went to the store, and I went to the grocery store, and I used that extra hour because it would have been 10, right? Or maybe it would have been 8. I honestly have no idea. <laughs> My phone just corrects itself. <laughs> but anyway, I wake up at 9, yeah. I go to the store, and you always hear about breakfast burritos and breakfast skillets and pancakes and all this stuff. Right in my wheelhouse. Right? I mean, yeah. I love it. I love it. But here's there's something I do when I'm at home watching the Bronco games is I always like to make up some nice – Nachos, but you never hear about breakfast nachos. Yeah, I mean, nachos are usually just nachos. Just nachos, right? What's the difference between regular nachos and breakfast nachos? Well, clearly. I'm wondering what you're using as a base, first and foremost. Well, first of all, it's pretty much the same thing, but you put on scrambled eggs, you know, you put on salsa, cheese, same stuff, right? Maybe a little breakfast sausage instead of your typical ground beef. Mm. I made breakfast sacha, <laughs> breakfast nachos. Yeah. And they were more than I could have ever dreamed they could have been. And that's – I can't wait because now this was the first time I did it, right? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, it's like a breakfast game. You know, that's what I call it. Some people call it an early game. I call it a breakfast game. Got to make the <laughs> breakfast nachos. Why? Why do we have breakfast – Burritos, but we don't have breakfast nachos. Why do we have breakfast burritos, but we don't have breakfast tacos? Well, what's, there's wrong been, with, what's wrong with breakfast tacos? There's been many times where we've gone to Sam's number three after a nice night out downtown, and my buddy that's a huge nacho buff will just order the nachos, you know, and it's 8, 9 a.m., and I'm like, how can you, how are you eating nachos right now? It's not breakfast. It's the same exact ingredients as a breakfast burrito. They just don't have the egg. So I'm saying potatoes, eggs, hash browns, all that stuff. On to the nachos. That's what I'm talking about here. Delicious. That's why I wanted to bring that up. And you also just gave away a million-dollar idea, by the way. So. Hey, Good let job. me tell you something. <laughs> I give away million-dollar ideas on this podcast every week. That's true. Gosh, dang it, that's true, Ross. <laughs> I got too many ideas. <laughs> Very true. So Man. let's do that. All right, so let's do that. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Broncos and the Bengals, and then we're going to talk about the Broncos' upcoming game against Carolina and then uh, soon following, of course, Nuggets, Heat, and Nuggets against the Pistons tomorrow night, right? Yeah, that sounds right, man. I'm going to go grab some of those breakfast nachos. Nice. <laughs> hey. 
Oh man, Nate Timmons. That victory, Denver Broncos, Cincinnati Bengals, morning breakfast game. Did you happen to see, <laughs> okay, you got over here, uh, about, I don't know, six o'clock, something like that. Did you happen to see the sunset tonight? No. Oh, you were I feel like I'm the only person that doesn't pay attention to it, but I see a lot of them on Instagram and Facebook. Well, let me tell you, okay, there's, you're always pretty good for a sunset here in Denver. Oh, yeah. Tonight, it was one for the ages. And it was, (laughs) it really sparked something in my mind, right? As I, as I, as I glanced westward. They're going to say like in your loins or something. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah. Loins is, is an accurate. You know, place where the sunset hit me. That night of that was... sunset was when Ross Jr. was was <laughs> conceived. <laughs> that I know of. Wait, what? Anyway, this sunset tonight was. You see those bumper stickers, right? God must be a Broncos fan. Because you know, if not, why would sunsets be orange and blue? Yeah. Tonight's sunset. I don't know when people are going to listen to this. But the night after the Broncos beat the Bengals, this sunset tonight was orange and blue. <laughs> it was breathtaking. Beautiful. It and was re- gorgeous. And the reason why I bring this up is because the Broncos yesterday, they had a victory that I wouldn't say was a overwhelming victory. It wasn't what we had seen the week before against the Saints. It wasn't what we had seen against the Chargers, right? It was, it was like, it was like the guys that we usually count on to get us the victory in Peyton Manning or Champ Bailey, they showed some weakness. They showed some mistakes, right? Yeah. Peyton Manning throws two interceptions, right? That, that first one, I gotta be honest. I thought I saw a little defensive pass interference. Maybe it was just a good play, but that was a play that you would not expect to Peyton to make when the Broncos end up winning. All right. Then later in the game, Peyton Manning throws another interception. Now this was completely uncharacteristic because this was pretty much all on Peyton. This interception he threw from his own end zone. I mean, it was just a horrible throw. Yeah. It wasn't even like it was great defense. It was just a poorly decided throw. Yeah, he just completely overthrew Decker. Yes. Then, right, as you predicted last week, which I want to make sure that I point out, Nate Timmons, you talked about this on the podcast last Tuesday, Trendon Holiday. You said he is going to return. He's going to have two touchdowns returning kicks or punts. And what did we see? Right? 105 yards. 105 yards. The longest play in Broncos history. Yeah. So there's things happening, right, outside of the what we would expect to see in a Broncos victory. Okay. Uh, Mike Nugent misses a field goal. A chip shot. A chip shot. Misses it. Just oh, by the way, I jinxed him on that because my mom, they were traveling cross country, and she said, send me updates on the game. So I wrote her and I said, you know, I think it was third down for Cincinnati and they failed to get it. Fourth down comes. I text her. I go, uh, Broncos are up at the half 10 to six. Then I had text her right back and I said, I jinxed Nugent. It's 10 to three. He missed a chip shot. 
Good for you. Yeah, it was Thank awesome. You. So it was a, I gave him the pre three points before he even walked onto the field. Yes. I mean, so you're welcome, thought, Denver. Everybody thought he should have hit that field goal. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I'd call it a chip shot. I mean, it was, it was over 40 yards. Prater would have banged that thing well, home. <laughs> Let's not compare Mike <laughs> Nugent to Matt Prater. I mean, Matt Prater, come on. But seriously, like, these were things that have happened outside of what we would expect. Well, then, I said I thought the same thing. I mean, if you take away Peyton's two uncharacteristically bad passes, this isn't even a close game. Denver puts these guys away, and we're not even, you know, we don't have any of that drama that we saw in the second half. On I mean, the it's, other it's hand, it's going to be a blowout. On the other hand, though, if you take away Trendon Holiday's kick return and you take away Mike Nugent's mixed field goal, again, we're talking about a completely different game in the other right. way, where maybe the Broncos aren't having a nice eleven point lead, right? Yeah. And and it was it was really great actually for me to see some of these mistakes from Peyton Manning, right? Yeah, okay, he's had a three interception game. He's had a three interception quarter earlier in the season, right? But everything we saw has kind of come back around. Okay. Then we see these kind of extraordinary things happen. Broncos, the opposition misses a seemingly Mike Nugent's no rookie. He should hit that field goal. Yeah. Trinidad Holiday. What a great play. I mean, it wasn't all him, of course. He, you know, had a great run back, but our special teams was looking good. Okay. Champ Bailey was getting burned and getting called, for, you know, for pass interference. Yet in the end, the Broncos end up winning and they end up winning comfortably. And I, and I looked at that sunset tonight and I thought, wait a minute. If God was a Bronco fan, right? Why are sunsets, you know, sunsets are still orange and blue, but I thought, I thought God only looked down upon Tim Tebow. You know what I mean? Last year, we had Tebow coming back, miraculous, you know, miraculous situations. Crazy stuff was happening. And it occurred to me, God's not a Tebow fan. God's a Bronco fan. And I mean this. (laughs) Yeah. I'm serious here. Okay. Did you see that sunset tonight? No, of course. You were sitting there looking east when you should have been facing west. You sat out there in your (laughs) truck. That's true. (laughs) Turn around and look at this sunset. No joke. It was. Beautiful, and I just thought I'm at peace now. I'm, I'm sure somebody, somebody out there captured. It I'm Facebook. sure they did. Somebody has it on I'm, Facebook. I'm sure right they now. did. Uh, and what was the best part about it? And I jest about you know God shining down on the Broncos, of course. But I'm serious. This game that we won, the Broncos won, required some luck, and we got it. And it, and I, for to be honest, after last season, I thought our luck has run out. And especially the beginning of this team, uh, this uh, beginning of this season, when we had some of our losses, it seemed like all of our luck was just spent. Like we had none left, but we got it in this game, and we need it. Well, and luck that in, was the difference. Yeah, I, I think luck and big plays tend to find good teams. I've thought that you know when you look at those Broncos Super Bowl teams, it was like you know uh, Darian Gordon returning punts. You know, and it just seemed to find the Broncos opportunistic turnovers. And when I'm watching, when I we were just kind of talking about holiday as well before we were recording. And it was like, you kind of see something with him where I was saying he makes one move and then he gets up field. And that's really how you have to do it. when you're returning is you have to make, you know, you want, you can't dance because everybody's, you know, honing in on you. You got to make your one move and you got to turn your momentum and get the hell downfield. And, and boy, did he. Yeah. Cause it looks, you know, typically when you see a guy return a kick, it looks like, 
a car when you're passing somebody going the other way. You know, you hear that all the time. Like, oh, I blew by that guy like he was going the other way. Right. And that's how it always looks when you have that. And you saw him the week before start to make some of those moves. And I was like, it's just a matter of time before he finds a seam. Yes. You kind of see it. And it was what a hell of a play. What a hell, what a hell of a play. And something that we've been you lacking. Can't, can't, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> never, it's nev- not, never going to enter into a game plan, right? Like, a, a, a NFL team or a fan, it's the cherry a fan on of top. a team is never yeah. going to count on a kick return for a touch, a kick return for a touchdown. When was the last time that Devin Hester was doing it? You know, I mean, you haven't heard or seen highlights of him. I don't know if he did it with this bear score in 51 over the weekend. He may have, but yeah. that was all Marshall. But yeah, you can't plan on it. You can't game plan for it. It's just, like I said, the cherry on top of a Sunday. You know, it's that sweet and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it is what it is. It's and amazing. it enabled a guy like Peyton Manning who came in there. 290-some passing yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. Right? Let me let me ask you on this that first interception. Mm-hmm. With Eric Decker kind of having his blooper-type plays of, you know, tripping over the chalk, of having a couple balls pass through his hands on the replays, and you're like, wow, that went right through his hands. That first interception, I immediately said, Decker, what did you do? Like, I immediately blamed Decker. Uh, he had to do something wrong here. He's this guy. And then you look at the replay, and it was like, oh, no, Peyton. That was Peyton's fault, I think. It seemed like he let him. Decker was outstretched trying to get to that. And it was like, uh, like that was Peyton. And the second one, it was definitely Peyton. I think. And it was just so uncharacteristic for him to make those two throws, I thought. I well, know. here's what I think. On that play, the first interception, I think Peyton Manning was throwing to where Decker was going to be. But did you think immediately that was your first reaction? Decker, what did you do? No, like my, fir- my actually, Peyton. actually, my first reaction was Peyton Manning. Really? I was like, what, what, what is he doing? But then on the replay, I, I saw clearly pass interference. Uh, I mean, I don't, I mean, pass interference seems to happen, right? And, and, and you're like, well, what's the rule? Okay. I mean, are they allowed to touch him or are they not? There's contact after five yards or there's not. You know, what I saw was the cornerback who ended up picking it off. Literally, you could see Eric Decker's uh, forward movement halted and stunted by the contact from the defender, and then they picked it off. So that's what I saw, and I thought that that could have been called that. And I think later in the game, when they did get that pass interference call, I think that was a makeup call, quite frankly. Um, you know, or, or maybe not, or maybe that's just the way you know, the football gods work. But yeah. I saw that as that. Now, when you talk about a second throw, I thought that was kind of foolish. And, and when we were sitting there, <laughs> and by the way, didn't that play, that interception from Peyton Manning happen right after Lance Ball, like, down the ball on the half. Oh my half gosh. That, you know what that reminded me of was uh, the Cleveland Browns game, the drive. That same thing happened where the, the kick, you know, hit before and just kind of rolled around down there and the Broncos just had to dive on it. And you could just tell, like, with Lance, but yeah, that was frustrating. I was it, screaming. It was weird. And it was, <laughs> what are you doing? It was uh, kind of ironically like a great kick because he kicked that thing and it landed around the five and then just kind of, it was Die. almost like a golf shot. I mean, you couldn't, he probably couldn't do that twice. No. But then I was thinking, Lance Ball, what are you doing? Like, what at least let Trenton Holiday yeah. get it. But I mean, <laughs> It's a live ball, so I can kind of see that. And you can see them looking at each other like, well, I thought you were going to get Why did you do that? And they talked a little bit about Holiday being the punt returner and maybe thinking for a second it just dies there. You know, like I don't have to touch. Oh, wait, it's a live ball. (laughs) Yeah, you definitely have to get that one. (laughs) So, yeah, maybe maybe that's what happened. Um, 
you you brought up another interesting point with uh, with Champ Bailey and AJ Green, and I was talking about this last night while I went to see the movie Cloud Atlas, bizarre film. Uh, but we were talking about AJ Green, seven catches out of nine targets. Champ Bailey kind of got gift wrapped that uh, interception because you know they had that what third was it third and twenty five at that point, and they had to just kind of launch one, and our D lineman had gotten in Dalton's face there, and he kind of shorted the ball, and Champ got lucky and got that pick. Um, AJ Green hasn't even entered his prime yet. I mean, this guy is blazing speed, not even entering his prime, still a very young player going against Champ Bailey, who's Champ Bailey's old. Yeah, let's not, let's not kid ourselves. He's old. He's lost a little bit of what he used to have when he was in his prime. I mean, you're asking a guy that's out of his prime to cover this guy that hasn't even entered his. Like, I'm thinking of the, the youth there and the speed difference. And I was like, eh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to criticize Champ too much because that's a tough cover. That's the toughest cover he's going to probably face all year. Yeah, I think it's a tough cover, if, you know, for Champ Bailey five years ago. I, I have like such a hard time seeing Champ Bailey's so-called lost step out there. I, I mean, everybody talks about it. Uh, it's kind of inevitable, right? He's older. He's been around playing for a long time. I just haven't seen him lose that. I, I really haven't. And there were a couple times there where he got turned around in coverage, you know, kind of. And, and there were times definitely where he was uh, definitely beat by A.J. Green. 34 years old, Champ Bailey. Yeah, but I, I honestly have not seen it. I, I mean, I haven't seen any serious decline in Champ Bailey's capabilities and his skill and I, I and as far as him being a shutdown cornerback, I, I I don't see how much has changed and and again, you know, it's hard to see us like a slow decline over many years, but I still look out there and and I see I don't see that many mistakes being made and I still I don't see like him have lost a step. And then I don't even think that the teams we're playing against, I don't think they see that either. Now, yeah. A.J. Green, I think, is a superb talent. And I think Andy Dalton. 24 a, years old. Yeah, I think Andy Dalton's a great talent, you know, just in his second year in the NFL. But hey, Eric Decker had as many yards receiving as A.J. Green yeah. this weekend. There you go. You know, and I think A.J. Green is probably a better talent, you know, than Eric Decker. First round pick versus uh, you know, Decker second. Yeah. So true. So yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, man. I, there was times there where I was like, oh man, but then look the what only, happened. Champ yeah. Bailey comes through with a pick. The only and time you, I really saw it was on that that 37 yard, uh, just straight up the sideline route that Green ran, where he was, you know, Champ didn't really he didn't buy the the, the fake on it and tried to run with him and it was just a hair slower maybe. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's incredible for being 34 and covering a 24 year old. That's pretty impressive, man, to, for him not to have lost that step. And yeah, because I did feel like that he was, I don't know if he has taken any heat from the media for that game because it did feel like Cincinnati was not picking on him, but their bread and butter is to get it to AJ Green. If they don't involve him in the offense, they don't have stand a chance. So yep. they're going to throw to him. And I thought, you know, I, th- I thought all in all, they didn't give up. Like you brought up uh, last week on the podcast, all the, over 40-yard touchdowns that the, that the Bengals had scored, and I believe that most of those probably went to A.J. Green, right? Yeah. And they I didn't have any of those big plays, really. I mean, I don't know if it was Green or Gresham or Hawkins or whoever, but I, I, I do know they didn't have any 40-yard touchdowns against the Broncos. Yeah. And that, that, that's, that's another good point to bring up. Look at everybody else that's contributing on the defense here. Now, 
watching that game Sunday, I had the realization. Now, I didn't have the realization that Von Miller's a good player. Everybody's known he's been a good player. <laughs> of the year, since his Cobol. first day of the year. <laughs> since his first day in the league. I had the realization during this game that he's the best defensive player in the league. And he might be the best player on the Broncos. Boom. And it's like having a Ray Lewis type guy. That is the I mean, it's not just the three sacks, okay? It's not just the three sacks he had. It's everything else he does on every other play that are almost sacks or that are disrupting the play. Von Miller is no freaking joke. I mean, you not just no joke. Out. I mean, he is he is seriously the most he's a, a game breaker on defense and he and he and, and and what he opens up for guys like Elvis Doomerville on this team. I, I mean, or how he limits the offense. I mean, you can't roll the pocket his way. He's going to collapse. You can't even. You're starting now. Not even. You can't even run the ball his way. You, you can't you, run those sweeps to his side. He's. I believe it was a stat last week that said he has the most tackles in the NFL for loss. Oh, I didn't know that, but I mean, I believe it. And it was like he's incredible. He yeah. is incredible. He is a physical freak. He the the athletic moves he makes and and the way like he doesn't just expunge half of his energy getting to the quarterback and then get past no he's like like by the time he's done messing with those offensive linemen right who have no chance against him right yeah he's still got enough energy to chase down guys all this stuff i he is he's the best defender in the national football league and that's not an exaggeration that's not hyperbole ray lewis is not in the league right now he's injured right who else? There's nobody. It's Von Miller. Uh, we had four sacks in that game. Three by Von Miller. One by Elvis Dumerville. By the way, did you know that Elvis Dumerville's, or excuse me, Von Miller's first sack in the NFL was on Andy Dalton? Oh, really? First sack in the NFL was uh, like uh, last September, right huh. when we played the Bengals. His first sack ever. Now, uh, his first play from scrimmage, Von Miller caused a fumble. Right. Next week, <laughs> he sacks Andy Dalton for his first sack. Von Miller has had four sacks against one quarterback who's not even in his division halfway through his second year. You know what I mean? And yeah. now he's got uh, – does he have 10 sacks this year or, or 11 sacks this year? Maybe it's nine. Maybe it's nine sacks. I don't remember. But one, I mean, this yeah, guy's he's got a nine linebacker, total, man. He's like. a linebacker. And they're, and they're talking about him falling back into coverage. You know, and what what happens if he gets good at that too? Yeah, I, I mean, that's what I've been thinking with his speed and his you know his, his wingspan and everything. Like athleticism, yeah. his mind. This guy comes from a good family. He comes from you know. I don't know if he can catch. Have we seen him try to catch anything? Does he have good hands? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, what can I mean? This guy is going to be the cornerstone of the Denver Broncos defense for years and years and years and i kept thinking as i was watching him sack andy dalton over and over and over again and we've talked about the red-headed yogurt slinger before i haven't watched that too many you hear games jeff tried to bring that up on south stands by the way yeah he brought it up it's okay yeah it's good spreading it around a little bit it's yeah good. um <laughs> by the way great episode i loved listening to those guys um but thinking about von miller v andy dalton andy dalton is a great great athlete great quarterback I, I see a very bright future for Andy Dalton in this league. But you know what I also see? I see guys like Von Miller being the nemesis to the Bengals like Elway was to the Browns. You know, yeah. I, mean, I see the Bengals, if they can continue to put good guys around Dalton, I see just 
Andy Dalton ending his career like that sad sack Dan Marino. <laughs> you know, moving into of course Andy Dalton will be on the radio because he's not tan enough, but <laughs> right. But I could just see him. Just... Well, they put Boomer Esiason <laughs> and Phil Sims on TV. That's true. That's a, that's a very good point. <laughs> yeah, you good. know, I, the craziest part for me too with Von Miller is I I look at his dimension. You know, six three two thirty seven. I go six two, probably about two twenty. So he's like a spit heavier than me. And I, if I've walked by these linemen, I've walked by some NFL linemen before. These guys are Goliaths, 6'6", 320. I mean, these guys outweigh him sometimes by 100 pounds, at least by, you know, at 300 pounds, they outweigh him by 70 pounds. And he doesn't just rely on speed. He also bull rushes those guys. And you see him pushing those linemen out of the way because he does have that leverage of being a little bit shorter so he can get under their pads. But his strength is but, equal to theirs. But he's it's insane. A, he's a linebacker, right? I yeah. mean, he has that ability. I mean, and then well, and let's not forget to mention guys like Derek Wolf, who's just owning, owning whoever that guy he was playing against. I don't know who that was, but he was literally just pushing that guy around like a little bitch. Doomerville, great game. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, our Chris Harris, like all these guys, like Tony people, Carter, oh, Tony man. Carter, like these guys that we were like, who are these guys? Let's get them out of here eight weeks or six weeks ago. They're all it's it's looking I, like I, I never said to get rid of Chris Harris. That's no, no, my no, boy. No, of course not. But I mean, just like there were holes that we saw. Oh yeah, and I remember these guys arguing with a guy in. on uh, Mile High Report on in their comment section. I remember arguing. Oh, you with can him. get in some arguments and in he, that comment section and he too. He was like, uh, <laughs> oh, just you know. There's, you know, the, 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 the secondary suspect, the offensive line is suspect. Blah, yeah, I said, there's no suspect about it. These guys are good. And you're even seeing, you know, Raheem Moore made that brilliant Raheem play. Raheem Moore. He made that play in the backfield. I think they ran a sweep or a screen or something. He tackles a guy for, you know, five yard loss, whatever that was. And, uh, I'm, I'm also starting to like, uh, this Mike Adams a lot more. Yes, Mike Adams. He's breaking up some plays and he's starting to fly around too, or it's like he's going to either have a big pick or he's going to break up a big pass at some point point there with a hit you know well He's, this style of defense the like, broncos are playing is exactly this type of defense you want because they have gonna, trust in their offense and the offense you know they can take risks they can jump those routes they can they can do that type of stuff you know when if dj oh, williams so does sad. come back or when he does come he'll back, be back he'll be back is he can get on the field though with oh yeah danny trevathan and wesley woodyard wesley woodyard led the team with 14 tackles last week he's been leading yeah are you gonna are, how can you keep Trevathan and Woodyard, are you going to take them off the field to put DJ in there? Are you going to try to – I don't know. I it's it's a good problem to have. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. That's a, uh, DJ Williams, he's been around on this team for a long time. Uh, I, He's a pro. He's he's gifted. I'm looking forward to having him back. Is he coming back next week against Carolina? I don't know if he'll be back for that game or the one after. I'm not quite sure. He was suspended uh, for nine games. So this was week nine. Oh, was uh, – we're four and three. We're now five and three. So he's going. But be that was week nine. So that means that he's probably we'll suspended for nine Carolina. games, not yeah. for nine weeks. Okay. So San Diego home game. We'll see DJ Williams back on the field. Probably. How are you feeling about Carolina? They just uh, they beat the Redskins with uh, RG three in there. Had a little bit of success. Kind of a. I'm pretty sure I picked that game correctly. Did I not? Yeah, you may have, man. You may have. I don't know. Uh, how do I no, feel you about took Washington? Did I? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they're two and six. Yeah. How do I feel? <laughs> I, I see no gaping weaknesses in the Broncos, right? I, I, Cam Newton's a big guy, and I think a lot of his obviously a lot of his success comes from being a, a passing threat and a running threat. Right? He's an incredible athlete. He's not going to be able to run around. 
against this defense. That was a very interesting thing about this weekend where no team was running the ball at all. And Cincinnati Bengals seemed just hell-bent on stopping the run. Willis McGahee, I, I loved it, by the way, the fact that the Broncos never let up. I think Willis McGahee had 23 rushes. 23 rushes for 66 yards, right? Yeah, exactly. And then he had, but he had that one 12-yard rush in the fourth quarter that kind of, you know, it was the first decent run he had. But I love the consistency of Peyton Manning and his offense, and it's like their game plan. They just stick with it. Well, to pull a, to pull a page from the, the South Stand guys to uh, critique local sports radio, as they often like to do on their <laughs> show, the podcast about local sports talk radio, uh, Adam Kinney was just on Saturday just trashing Willis McGahee at the end of that show and talking about how much – you know, his, he gets these junk yards at the end of games, so he gets over 100 yards, and that's why he looks good. And I was just waiting for Willis to have a big game so I could tweet at him and be like, look how wrong you are. Like, I love, love Willis McGay. He's, like, probably Who's, top five wait, all-time wait, favorite NFL players. Wait, wait, he's trashing Willis McGahee? Yeah. On Saturday? On Saturday, saying, like, you know, yeah, Willis McGahee, he's going to get these – meaningless yards in the fourth quarter when the Broncos are up by 21 points and it's going to look like he had a good game because he doesn't really do anything ever. And I'm like, what are you that's talking ludicrous. about? Yeah, well, I wanted to drive ludicrous. down to Mile High Sports Radio and strangle him. I was like, what are you talking about? Oh, you talking about my oh, dude, Willis so Now McGee. we're doing that. Now we're uh, starting battles <laughs> with Mile High Sports Radio too. I thought we covered sports, not sports radio. To rise above it. No. Uh, What's the Web Awards? What's up? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but But seriously – Hey, I, I, I don't understand. Like, how can you? Uh, for you know, the running game has been consistently. Uh, you know, as far as the way I've seen the offensive plan, the game plan includes the running game. Yeah, and it's inherent that the running game contributes to the passing game because Peyton Manning uses that play action all the time. Right, and even if Willis McGahee has a net. Uh, run of 23 yards in the first half, they still keep handing off to him. Just because the Bengals are stopping Willis McGahee, right? Like the Bengals were shutting down the running game. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's nothing wrong with that as far as the Broncos are concerned because they can still hand it off once or twice and then still Bengals don't know if they're going to hand it off again. And even if they're losing one or two yards or gaining one or two yards and not really picking up a lot of first downs, if the defense is still biting on that running, running game, then the play action works. Yep. So it doesn't matter if Wilson McGahee runs for 100 yards a game. And he'll probably end up at the end of the season having at least 1,600 yards. But it doesn't matter if the defense, like the Bengals, we saw them focused on beating the run, stopping the run, which is smart. Stop the run, stop the play action. Well, guess what? If you're still biting on every run play, or every run play the play action still works. Yeah. And it was great. I, I, Peyton Manning, those Bengals players didn't have any idea. Yeah, you got to keep them guessing. On. You got to have that balance. I, I did. Was... I did notice one thing, and 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 we'll move on here because we could talk about the Broncos for three hours. And <laughs> right. but, but I did notice one thing. I have not watched Peyton Manning play sixteen games a year for his career. Right. Yeah, you know, me you neither. Pick up a couple three. Right. Yeah. And but even in this last you know first half of the season, I never saw Peyton Manning making a lot of risky passes, you know. But yesterday against the Bengals, 
it looked like he was kind of gunslinging it a little bit. Chesting himself a little more. Just kind of like putting him into tight windows. You know what I mean? Even that interception, which, like I said, I think it was a questionable throw, but I think... The Broncos had some dropsies earlier in the game, That's true, but he was like throwing balls in there that you're like, you know, you're taking a deep breath. You know, when you see three or four guys around that receiver, it, it looked like Peyton Manning was more risky than I've seen him before. And again, is that him getting his confidence back and feeling that getting his his egos up and he's, I think it's like, I think Peyton Manning is a, uh, maybe he just got done purchasing those 21 Papa John's and he's feeling real good about (laughs) it. He's like, shoo, shoo, bread rolls, bread rolls, whatever. (laughs) Breadsticks. No, uh, I, I think Peyton Manning knows when he needs to step it up. And I think he needs, knows when he needs to take risks. And I think he knew that that game was a big game, but not the biggest game, right? Yeah. I don't think that it's in his mind to just play conservatively and, and, and win the way I always kind of thought that that's the way he liked to win was just play conservatively, uh, you know, go by the game plan. And, and if they lose, they lose, but they almost like uh, do the game plan in spite of winning. What I saw Peyton Manning huh. doing yesterday I, it looked like it looked kind of like Brett Farvish, and 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 that's kind of turned <laughs> into a joke, right? Because of Brett Favre's later laughing. years. But honestly, Brett Favre was, you know, the gunslinger, right? Yeah, ultimate confidence. I saw him throw a ball anywhere saw, he wants, yeah. whenever he wants. Yes, I saw Peyton Manning doing some gunslinging there, but it's not like he got like lost his mind. <laughs> you know, he he was. I, I thought it, it was it was great. It was fun to watch. Heck of a game, man! Mm-hmm. Five and three. Rolling. Excited. Rolling. Excited five and three. And uh, we talked last week. Oh, gosh. It could be 13 and three by the end of the season. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, you got Carolina next week. Carolina, obviously not very good at running the ball. They've had some problems with D'Angelo Williams, Jonathan Stewart. They haven't been the, the big beast that they've had in the past. Steve Smith, a year older, hasn't been quite as dangerous. They have a Brandon LaFell. You know, he's trying to make a name for himself a little bit. Not a, but Cam Newton hasn't been putting up the big time numbers. He had a pretty good game last week against Washington. And, you know, it's another game where Denver should come out and control it and, and basically dominate. Move to six and three. Keep it rolling. Let's do it. All right, man. All right. Come back. Talk nuggets. Nuggets. As much as God has been shining down on the Broncos. (laughs) No, don't do it, Ross. Maybe maybe they're not shining down yet quite on the Nuggets. 0-3 to start the season. 0-3. Oh, and, and tomorrow night, home opener to Pepsi Center versus the Detroit Pistons. But the Pistons got their asses handed to them last night, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, big time. Uh, the Pistons are also 0-3. Good thing about the Nuggets, you're not going to miss them tomorrow night. They'll be wearing their bright Yellow oh, uniforms. This, yeah, this. Okay, we're back to this. By the way, Pistons lost last night, 108 to 79. At one point, I believe it was 80 to like 37. So you got to get your first win against these guys. <laughs> 80 to 37. <laughs> Let me tell you, we we're, were talking earlier about league pass and scouting the other teams. I'll tell you what I learned about the Pistons. They suck at basketball. <laughs> they are not good. But the problem with the Nuggets has been so far. They have not been good at basketball either. They got beat up in Philadelphia. 
They got uh, pushed around and really beat up in Orlando against a Magic team that was – people are arguing if they're going to win 25, 30 games this year. Ugh. So, you know, and Aaron Aflalo didn't play very good. Uh, Glenn Davis, though, monster game. He had 29 points, 10 rebounds. His career high is 31 uh, in the point department. So the Nuggets kind of got – Spencer Hawes from the 76ers scored 16 points against Denver. Uh, Glenn Davis scored 29. Chris Bosh got 40. So the power forwards for the opposition are thriving on the Nuggets. And we got uh, Greg Monroe for the Pistons tomorrow night and he is very talented he's huge he could have a big game now can we take a minute to talk about the heat the the nuggets lost to the heat yes because this was i mean it was both teams were well into triple digits nuggets seem to have had this game uh not i wouldn't say in control like they didn't have control of the game but towards the end there you know Ray uh, Ray Allen, four point play. You know this game. Crushing. Was this game just a tease? Like we're, we're, Nuggets fans seem so excited over there at Jake's on Saturday night, and then towards the end it was just like, boom, ripped away. Yeah, and it was a game too where it was like, you know, they had just some little plays where they just you know weren't going the Nuggets' way, whether it was a foul or a turnover, a costly turnover where it was. You know, you have the ball under the hoop, you you lose it, you can't control it, and then the Heat hit a big shot on the other end, and it was like, God, that win was there for the taking, you know, and it it shouldn't have come down to the last couple of plays. They should have been able to to build a little bit of a lead there and win that one. But we, I was kind of talking with some guys today, and you know, we we're wondering, is that good? Like, you go on the road, you you play this, you play the reigning champs, you go toe to toe with them. And you still lose, so maybe that burns in you a little bit more. Like, you know, we gave this great effort, we did everything right, and we still lost the damn game. Like, no, is that going to make him more a little more hungry? And no. I think maybe it, I think maybe it might have. No, that's not at all what how, the way it works. Oh, I don't, I don't <laughs> I'll tell you know, this, man. That is Nuggets fan optimism right there. <laughs> the way it works is uh, end of a game like that, a game where they didn't really think they should win, probably, and then they end up losing. Even though they might have been in it, it just is like we can't. It ends up as an L. Yeah, and and it's just like, well, it's exactly the way it should have gone, and there's no, it doesn't, it doesn't stoke any fires for anybody. Now, especially coming off losses like they did against Orlando and and Philadelphia, right? Yeah. So I think the question always comes down to is, what type of team are you going to be? Are you going to be the type of team that? Barely loses games you should win or bit loses big time games that you should win. It's just about if you're going to win or not. And that's the only thing that sparks confidence. No loss ever sparks confidence, yeah. whether it's a tight loss to a really talented team or otherwise. It's, there, there's no such thing as losses. A good inspiring. loss. Yeah, inspiring. It doesn't work that well, way. I'm just but I do love like, the fact that you and the Nuggets fans were like, oh, well, wait, uh, that could really change. Well, I wasn't talking with Nuggets fans. I was talking with some other media guys about it. Like, does this do anything? You know, does this really do anything for the team? And I don't know. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I think from the fan perspective, you hope that that does, you know, burn in their, you know, kind of. But you hear about that with, with the championship teams, too. You hear about, like, 
you've you've heard teams losing the World Series and then standing in the dugout and watching the other team celebrate and wanting to feel all that pain so that they can focus it in for the next season. Like you hear guys tell those types of stories before, so. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it was that big of a deal. And that's a nice fairy tale that happens every once in a while when right. a guy does come back from that. One or two guys. But the bottom line is here: the Nuggets are zero and three, not looking like a winner, not looking like a winning team. Granted, well, they've all been on the road, but I, I see, and I think that's kind of where things change. The first two games, they they looked. You know, I've heard some other people say that they look like the worst team in the league the first two games, and I'm not going to completely disagree with that. They looked bad. They looked – the off- offense basically looked like it was pass the ball to one guy, let him try to do whatever he can, and whatever happens there happens. But against the Heat, we started to see you know, a defense creating turnovers, leading to fast break opportunities. We started to see guys moving around on offense more, the ball moving around a little bit more. So you did start to see some things where it was like, that's the team that I remember from last year. That's the – you know competitive, actually playing with a lead, not playing down 20 points the entire night, you know. And you're starting to see, I think, some chemistry amongst uh, Andre Iguodala getting in there with his with his teammates. And, you know, George talked about wanting him to play more selfishly. When he gets inside, it's like, just dunk it. Don't try to hand it off to Kenneth Fareed or whoever else. Like, just make a play on the ball. Do you see that there's been a – because people have been talking about Iguodala not playing great the first couple games and then starting to get it together against the Heat. And then, of course, Gallinari hasn't been playing that bad. He right? had, yeah, one good game, and he was awful against Miami. I mean, 3 of 17 shooting, 1 of 9 from downtown. Do, they, do the Nuggets have to come to grips with the fact that there's going to be one guy, right, one leader of this team, and that Everybody needs to be on board for that because the way I kind of see the NBA working, NBA teams being successful is that there's one guy, right? Yeah. And then success, like everybody kind of focuses on that one guy being the leader and being the scorer, and then the success will kind of trickle down to the other guys. Like Gallinari can uh, uh, succeed and be successful when Igudala has now attracted defensive attention, right? Yeah. Or somewhere along those lines. Is that what's going on? Or the Nuggets? Because it kind of seems to me like the Nuggets have no identity. And, and again, at the end of that game, right, uh, against the Heat, we're, you know, who's going to get that ball? We've talked about this many, many times. Who's going to be the guy to get the ball? You know, Gallinari goes over there and gets that ball, right? Yeah, we on saw it. Was, it at first, it was, it was Andre Iguodala who hit the shot with 14 seconds. And then to try to tie it, yeah, it was Danilo Gallinari who – that's what I expect to take it. I expect it to either be Lawson, Gallinari, or Iguodala. I expect one of those three, and I don't think it matters that much. George has actually asked that today. Do you need one guy to score 20 every night and the rest of the guys to kind of you know, form around him? And, oh, you need one guy to score 30 <laughs> yeah, and, every you know, night. George still maintains that, no, it's going to be a team effort here. And I think, I think the Nuggets kind of have to realize that they can't win games that way. They can't win based off one guy exploding and the rest of the guys coming around. They have to win games by playing as a team, and they have to win games by everybody giving 100% every night. That's so cliche to say, but they have to bust their ass to win games, and I think that's what they're going to realize as the season goes on is we can't win based off being more talented. We have to win based off outworking other teams, and that's a tough thing to do in the NBA because it's tough to get – 
you know, 10 guys or whatever your rotation is going to be to play hard every night. I mean, that's crazy to think like you're getting paid millions here, but it's, it's a factor of, you know, did you get enough sleep? Are you feeling good? Are you injured? Whatever. Like you have to go out there and really bust your ass every night on that team. I really wonder why George Carl is, I mean, I see what you're saying based on what, what George Carl said, but I really wonder why he's saying that. Like why he's saying that, no, it's not going to be one guy. Like why, why is he so afraid of putting the pressure on one guy? Why can't he come out there and say, yeah, the success of this team lies on the shoulders of Danilo Gallinari or Andre Iguodala? Why, why doesn't he say that? Because we all know that's the way it works. We all know that's, you know, that's how the Miami Heat win with, with, you know, with LeBron James. And, and we know that's how Kevin Durant runs his team, right? Why, why, why doesn't, why is he afraid and why is he so hesitant to, to, is he trying, just not trying to take the bait from the questions? Like he doesn't want to lose control of the interview or something, but the, I mean, cause. Yeah. I mean, he did say after the, uh, how, what preseason game was that? After all that home game in the preseason against the Clippers, he did say after the game, you know, we have to have one of our studs play well. And the studs are Lawson, Iguodala, and Gallinari. He named them and said, you have to be able to say that he had a good night or he had, you know, either Ty Gallo or Iguodala had a good game. Like you have to be able to say that with these guys. And you kind of did see it. I mean, Iguodala and, uh, and Kenneth Freed scored 22 points apiece against the Heat. Unfortunately, they gave up 40 to Chris Bosh and they left Ray Allen open on the three point line too many times. You know, so you, you did see that one guy do good, but then you had Gallinari have just an awful night. Three of 17, you're probably never going to see that. And then today at practice, I think we got in, uh, they, they wrapped up around 1240, 1245. I left there uh, just shy of three o'clock, and Gallinari was still on the practice floor shooting. He was the last guy out there, and he was just with Chad Isky shooting threes, shooting threes from all over the place. Uh, yeah. I don't know how many he took, well over 200 by the, when I was there for an hour. Or two hours, you know. I mean, it was it was crazy. But you can you can just see with him, and you know, probably with the other guys too. Like other guys were working out afterwards, or when they come out and take their extra shots. Like these guys are working to get better, and they're going to get better. And you saw it with the Heat game. You know, three games in, it's not going to tell you who the team is by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, the first two games, it was they looked lost against the Heat. They looked like themselves from last year. So I think that we're going to see them playing that way, and you're going to see them. Probably go on a streak here and win three, four games in a row. It can easily happen. I hope so. <laughs> Interesting. I, I just, you know, again, I, I, the difference in the the, this, the Nuggets' success has got to be, and, and I've heard different, you know, opinions on it. You know, some people say, "Oh, well, it all hinges on Ty Lawson." You know, uh, I don't know a single team in the NBA that has hinged their success on a guy like Ty Lawson. In recent memory, right. Usually, it's a guy more like Iguodala or Danilo Gallinari. So, I I feel like Ty Lawson can be, if he's successful and if he if the success does hinge upon him, then it's going to be because one of those guys steps up and takes control of the scoring, takes control of this offense, and says, you know what? Every third or fourth time down the court. I'm going to be the guy that gets the dish or I'm going to be the guy that takes the ball, you know, whether it's from the point or, or, you know, you know, backs me down into the, into the post, but they got to have somebody in there that just takes over this team. I agree with you. I think Ty Lawson can take them far, but he can't, you know, you look at 
the best point guard in the NBA before he tore his ACL, Derrick Rose. He took the Bulls pretty far, but there wasn't a lot of people that thought he was going to be able to beat the Miami Heat, and they couldn't beat the Miami Heat. You know, that, that team... It, it's it's not be, that type of a game. No, nobody in the NBA is successful based on just the point guard. You're right. I mean, look at the best teams. Uh, Oklahoma City, Russ Westbrook's a good player, but everybody knows that Kevin Durant's going to win them a title. You know, LeBron James, if, if it's not a small forward, it's a big guy. It's Tim Duncan. You know, it's Shaquille O'Neal. It's you never even historically you can look back and say, yeah, Magic Johnson was a dominating point, but he was six foot nine. You know, I mean, he's the size of LeBron James. You look at the Pistons with Isaiah, and it was like, yeah, he he led that team to an extent, but that was kind of a, a team atmosphere there. And and everybody was whatever. talking about how astonished they were that you know uh, James Harden was you know uh, you know kind of you know, traded away from Oklahoma City now over in Houston. And it's like, even they get it. I mean, James Harden, yes. Incredible player. The type of guy that will... uh will, will Might lead the league in scoring this yeah, year. Yeah, right. But, but, like, even Oklahoma City knows that it, the, the, the success of the team cannot rest on a player like that. I mean, you need... You need the the point forwards. You need the you know the and Oklahoma you know. City essentially chose Sergi Baca, the power forward, over James Harden, the the smaller guy. You know, yeah. You know, I agree. I agree with the Nuggets too. They if they are going to be a threat to have a big playoff run or a threat ever to win a title, it's going to be because Danilo Gallinari takes another step. You know, it, it has to hinge on him. There's no other way around it. I mean, you can have Ty Lawson. He's got to play well every game as well. I mean, you, you got to have him play well. You can see that statistically last year when he had big games, Nuggets won. But yeah, if you're talking about being a, a, a title contender or ever being a title contender, you do have to have, you know, that you have to have a marquee player. You have to have you got to have just the guys just so like everybody's on the same page. You yeah. know what I mean? Everybody has to kind of fall in line and know, you know what, this guy's our guy. You know, he's the guy that's going to get again one out of every four possessions he's going to be putting up the shot or one out of every three and whether you know he's a play is designed on an inbounds for him to get at the end or they're going to give him the ball at the top of the key or you know you know from the you know and and back it in or, or run the point forward position but, you know, I also so what do, what do what do we expect now okay I was going to say it's also it was also no surprise that the nuggets had more success uh, against the heat than they did in their previous two games with Kenneth Freed and JaVale McGee actually showing up, having the big guys playing a role. I mean, I think, uh, you know, Freed had 22 points. McGee was 6 of 9 from the floor. He was 4 of 5 from the foul line. I mean, those guys, without having any kind of an inside presence, you're also not going to be any kind of a threat in the NBA. If you don't have big guys that can contribute and, you know, fill it up defensively and, and get those garbage points on offense – you're going to struggle, and the Nuggets struggled mightily in the first two games because they had no bigs that were doing anything. And yep. Carl even had to you know, basically bench them because they were so bad defensively. <laughs> now, what's the what, – uh, here's something. Here's really what we need to get down and talk about. What's up with Gallinari's new haircut? A bit of the, the full octave. What is this, like, Chris – Birdman Anderson left, and now he's like... I like it. Now there's a bunch of extra gel lying around the locker room. <laughs> it was better than that mop top that he had last year. Uh, no, I disagree. People I move to Colorado. Disagree. They start growing their hair out. They get into this hippie lifestyle out here. <laughs> no, no, I disagree. I like the mop top. Oh, man. I, I, it's probably just because, you know, 
I, like well, I want to see somebody who's playing hard enough to where their hair cannot stand up on end anymore. <laughs> no matter what kind of hair gel you have in there, like you put gorilla not, glue in there, he's not working hard enough. If that <laughs> and and also if if there's enough hair gel in the world to keep his hair standing up like that, then uh, he's spending too much time doing his hair beforehand. Did anybody else huff and puff more than Chris Anderson though? And his hair stayed up. <laughs> okay, well here's the thing: Chris Anderson wasn't supposed to be the. Franchise player. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. That is true. (laughs) So, uh, Danilo, come on, bro. Don't worry about your hair as much. Okay. This isn't soccer. He's from Italy, man. This is not soccer. There's a premium put on looking good (laughs) at that point in time. Yeah. I got, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to argue the guy is a nice looking guy, but cut your hair, bro. (laughs) (laughs) It, It looks stupid. You don't like it. I like it, man. I think he looks good. How much time does it take to put that up when he should be thinking about – I feel like he should just be sitting there with his mop top listening to Andrea Bocelli in the headphones. Yeah. Conte partiro. <laughs> you know, just jam it out on some Italian opera or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And getting his mind right instead of worrying about the next – He's no Peyton Manning, okay? No. He, he, he's not going to be able to maintain 50 different sponsorships, whether it's for Ferrari or some <laughs> Italian cologne. Ross, there's a guy uh, tomorrow night that you may be interested in watching, uh, Jonas Drebko from the Pistons. I don't know Jonas if you know this guy. Drebko. He'll probably be matched up with Gallinari. <laughs> if he often. dies, he dies. Is this guy Russian? If he dies, he dies. Jonas th- Drebko? Jonas Jerebko. I want to see where he's from, actually. Dude, this doesn't I'm even – when I Google it, I see Jerebko painting in Benton, Arkansas. Uh, he's from Sweden. Sweden? Yeah, he was a former second-round pick in 2009. Ugh. But he can play, man. He led the Pistons last night against the Lakers in scoring, if you want to call it leading anywhere. Uh, he had 18 His points. Jonas Odebko. Jerebko. Jerebko. J-E-R-E-B-K-O. Jonas Jerebko. E B. J E R E B K O. Oh, there we go. Oh my goodness, look at this guy. Yeah, he can fill it up though. I wonder he's how a, many. He's pretty good. <laughs> I wonder how many co-eds he and Euron Vandersloot have murdered in his time. <laughs> look at his picture. <laughs> but you know the Pistons are. <laughs> this Pistons team truly is a mess. I mean, they they start. Holy crap! Look at this guy. They basically Genos Sweden. They start George Carl's dream of two guys that uh, are playing point guard, Brandon Knight, who's a more of a true point guard, and then Rodney Stuckey, who uh, thinks he's a point guard. But I, I believe Rodney Stuckey right now is one of twenty three shooting on the season. He's made one shot this year so far. I feel like the Russian mafia has some sort of influence over the NBA coaches and general managers decisions because <laughs> he's still stuck up on Drebko over there. Yeah. He's six ten, like 190. Now he's two thirty one, According to his Wikipedia. He looks a lot like Gallinari physically. When you see him tomorrow, you'll be like, Oh yeah. And he launches. Well, yeah. Days. Except he's got uh super pale skin. At least <laughs> Gallinari's got a little, you know, Italian, Little olive. olive in there, yeah. yeah. But Drebko wears the hair down, which you will like. Gets all over the place. And uh, <laughs> they're also playing Kyle Singler off the bench, who is the uh, the Duke kid. Um, I, I didn't know if he would ever make an NBA roster. I was kind of surprised that he actually uh, is getting some minutes with this team. 
But uh, the Pistons are a mess. They play a lot of guys. They seem to not really have any offensive cohesiveness. So you could really see a sloppy game tomorrow because the Nuggets want to run. And I think the Nuggets can be baited into a game of, you know, if the Pistons are up for it, it could be 125 to 120 or something, you know. It, it could be that way. It could be a track meet of just, is this preseason basketball? <laughs> like, this is kind of sloppy, you know. Uh, they also feature a big uh, athletic guy off the bench and Andre Drummond, who's pretty pretty fun to watch. He's a rookie out of Connecticut. Uh, he's kind of that same JaVale McGee type player where you're like, if he gets it mentally at some point, he could be a pretty big threat in the NBA because he's physically a monster. But it's funny. I want, everybody, <laughs> I want everybody who's listening to go to Jonas Jarebko's, uh Wikipedia page and scroll down to where it says uh, Swedish national team and then click where it says Jarebko currently has 10 caps with the Swedish national basketball team. The caps is a hyperlink. Click that. I don't want you to look at this. It's kind of like the, uh, uh, I guess the best way to describe it in American terms is like those Buckeye stickers on the side of a helmet, right? Yeah. Like you get these uh, stickers for things you do well. Well, this is uh, in sport. This is a, just go look at it. Look at these hats that he got. <laughs> this is a, definitely a Euro thing, right? And also if it's you're – It's a metaphorical – in a sport, a cap is a metaphorical term for a player's appearance on a select team, such as a national team. When you look at these caps, they look like those cycling caps before they wore helmets. But oh, it has yeah. a – like just look, go look at it. This is why we don't want any Europeans playing any American sports ever because they have things like caps. Ugh. Go look at it. No, no, seriously. You don't have to look at it now. But just go look at it, people. Check it out. Yeah, the Nuggets will be uh, in action tomorrow at home for the first time wearing their bright new uniforms, which I like. Ross, I believe, does not like. You really like it or you just like everything the Nuggets do? I like them. I, like, um, I tend to like just kind of loud uniforms anyway. I think they're sweet. Even though it has no – like the Nuggets have never been a yellow – Never been yellow. Uh, it doesn't bother me. It bothers a lot of what Nuggets fans. What if it was fans. red? What if it was red? <coughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind the red. The yellow. <coughs> the yellow makes more sense to me. I wish we had one of those cough buttons. <laughs> Sorry, I just inhaled some spit. What the, if it was red? The red. Man, we've never Nuggets make sense. It's gold. Gold is yellow. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I dig them. I think it's cool. I think it's something to switch it up a little bit. And you know, a lot of a lot of Nuggets fans don't like them though because it reminds them of the Lakers. It didn't. Yeah. It didn't remind me of the Lakers. Yeah. It didn't I didn't have that same feeling for some reason. The reason why I don't like it is because I know that they're just selling jerseys. Yeah. It's another product they can sell. It has nothing to do with the Nuggets team, their history. It's just. I believe it. It's another way to sell a new product. I do agree with you. It is a great way to sell a new product. I do like that they went to the skyline, though. I love that. That was the little, you know, patronizing thing they threw in there to please people like myself, probably. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, they did a good job then. <laughs> <laughs> nice work. You sold me, guys. I got it. <laughs> I'm dying over here. So, uh, well, all right, man. I mean, we don't. <clears throat> we can get out of here so you can go drink some water or something. Or <laughs> well, else. here's the thing. So, since we're doing this on a Monday, we're not going to be able to recap. Our uh, <clears throat> gamblers on the storm from last week. So what we're going to end up doing is we're going to end up uh, when we record Thursday, recapping last week, including tonight's Monday night game. Yeah, uh, and then uh, doing it all in one one shot. Perfect. Sounds good to me. What else, man? That's all I got, dude. 
I just say get to Pepsi Center tomorrow. Watch watch the Nuggets. Vote. Make sure to go vote. Doesn't matter who you vote for. Just go out and vote tomorrow as well. Well, it matters, but uh, you know, just don't vote for the wrong one. Yeah, and we'll it, leave it at that. It actually matters immensely. <laughs> it's your country, people. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, Seventy four in the books. We'll uh, see everybody on Thursday. Next half week. Thank you.